G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, each week at this time we address your questions around Christians and money. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Our guest is Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth With Purpose. Alex, special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you. Alex, let's start with a question from a listener that came through our Facebook page saying, I work for a bank and speak to victims of scams often. It's crazy how many Christians I speak to who've been caught up in them. Scammers target Christians because they know we're open, will open our hearts easily. Romance scams, investment scams, charity scams, that's the big one, she says. So many of the victims I speak to, they are giving money to build a house or a school somewhere on the other side of the world. It would be great if you addressed how to stay safe online, especially for Christians. How do you start with this one, Alex? Yeah, look, it's a it's a, a really big problem in our society. And in fact, I'm sure pretty much everyone listening has had phone calls, possibly even over the last few weeks, from scammers. I've had one where it's, they basically claim to be the tax office calling you. And uh, if you don't uh, respond immediately, you're going to be arrested. <laughs> so as you can imagine, that kind of thing uh, spooks a lot of people and uh, gets them to go down this path, potentially, uh, to divulging a lot of their personal information. Um, but I think for, for for Christians particularly, and I think that was you know part of the question why are Christians sort of so vulnerable to it, um, is I think part of it is we like to see the good in people. Um, you know we're not we we all acknowledge we're not perfect ourselves, but we want to actually believe that most people are out there doing the right thing. And often you know we're surrounded by nice people, particularly on Sunday, who, who do do the right thing. And so we tend to. Uh, take things at face value and, and tend to think people are honest. But, you know, the reality is, of course, we're in a very fallen world <clears throat> and there are people out there who are trying to get your money. Um, but the other thing I think that's also true is just our sinful nature. And that is we're, because we're human, we're also susceptible to the greed and so forth. And I think one of the big things with investment scams is they tap into our innate greed they tap into this idea that we can get great returns or, you know, we can retire prematurely or we can, um, you know, become a millionaire, all, all these kind of things that are pushed very hard, which, you know, tap into our, you know, our worldly fleshy nature. <clears throat> and that makes us just as vulnerable as, as everybody else. So, yeah, it's a um, you know, very common, common issue. And uh, there's whole websites now put up to, by the government to try and, protect people, to warn people, um, to report scams when they see them. Um, yeah, because well, it's, a, it's a real vulnerability. It does seem to be bread and butter for current affairs programs on TV. You know, who's caught up in the latest scam and how did all this get to a point where so many people get sucked into something that was like a pyramid scheme or just was mm. no foundation to it at all? Are there common investment scams that you ought to just be keeping an eye out for? Yeah, so look, some of the really common ones are, firstly, the one around superannuation. If there's anyone who's promising you what we call early release schemes, that is 
getting into your superannuation before you reach um, retirement age. In, in superannuation world, you have to reach what's called preservation age, which for most people is age 60 and older. And so you can't touch your super money um, before then. So, and if you do touch it before then, as in access it, um, there are very, very serious penalties. Um, and as a result, there are scammers out there who basically usually encourage people to set up self-managed super funds and then take their money out from there. So that's a very common one, the early release schemes. Um, the other one, and this is one, once again, I suspect a lot of listeners have had, is where you get a cold call from someone offering you an investment using the share market. Um, often these people sound like they're offshore, and often they are because they're outside, you know, they're trying to make sure you can't go and get them in any way. Um, and they're very common ones. Um, one that's been very common in Australia over the years is hot tips on, on investments. So they'll ring you up. And they'll say, hey, you know, this particular stock is undervalued and it's a great opportunity, but you've got to get in quick. And what invariably is going on here is that these particular scammers already own shares in that company, usually in what we call a penny dreadful, is the old expression. Uh, and they're very small companies, very low liquidity, and they already own it. And what they're trying to do is get momentum from people buying it and then they're selling. <laughs> so they're actually making a very quick buck themselves by getting you to buy it. And then once once they've exited, the share price plunges and you lose your money. So that's a, another very common one. And probably the, the, the final one I'd say, uh, Neil, is investment seminars. Now, all of us like to go and learn. In fact, as a ministry, we run lots of you know seminars on, on investments and training people and so forth. Um, but there are, over the years, and I can say I remember this over really 20 years, lots of uh, investments seminars that are very motivational in nature, um, usually involving people borrowing large amounts of money to buy speculative property investments like property development and so forth. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, yeah, those those things really suck people in. Uh, often the developer walks away with a lot of money or declares bankruptcy and so forth, and the person loses all their money. So those investment seminars, uh, ASIC has tried to crack down on them a lot over the years and get people who are unlicensed out of the game and so forth. Um, but it's a, it's a problem that, you know, pops up from time to time. So anything, though, where you're really being promised riches or quick bucks or become a millionaire or anything that's sort of really trying to tap into your desire to get out of work <laughs> is, is something you need to be very wary of. Interesting in that question that our listener Colleen poses when she says that uh, Christians are a target because they know we're we open our hearts easily. There's something here, I think, worthy of unpacking. Why do you think Christians are a little vulnerable here, Alex? Um, as I said before, I think we tend to see the good in people. We tend to work on the assumption that because we're honest ourselves, or at least trying to be as honest as we possibly can, and we have a strong ethical compass, um, we, we tend to, and we tend to mix with people like that uh, ourselves. Um, we tend to then think that the average person's quite decent. Um, but of course, the Bible says that the human heart is wicked and there are people, and as a result, there are people out there who are doing the right thing. Um, and also I think as Christians, sometimes we don't want to take personal responsibility for things. Um, and I think that's a, a major problem just in Western culture in general, but you see it in the church as well. And some of it can come from a natural inclination, hey, you know, God is my provider and I trust in him. But that's never an excuse for not taking personal responsibility over your finances and doing due diligence. We, we, you can't take, take people, unfortunately, 
it'd be nice to think, but you can't take them at their word. You've really got to do your own homework because I always take the view very simply that the money that I have in my possession is really God's. I'm called to steward it. And therefore, I've got to be very cautious about how I manage it and who I give it to to help me manage it. Um, and so we can't um, absolve ourselves of the personal responsibility aspect. And of course, doing our due diligence um, before we put our money or God's money in somebody else's hands. We've really got to do our homework. And that way you, 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 know, you prevent a lot of heartache first and foremost, but it's also, of course, you know, good stewardship to do your homework, do your research and make sure something is a, you know, a quality investment. So you want to be soft-hearted. You want to have those vulnerabilities about you to be able to support people who are in need. Uh, this idea of being open to a great idea to make a lot of money fast because we might even pursue something that we think is you know, God's blessing on us if we take part in this. Uh, I imagine that there's a call here to remain soft-hearted and vulnerable when there's a need to be able to be generous, but there's a certain level of streetwiseness that you have to have about you uh, to protect yourself. How do you describe the way that, that listeners ought to be, you know, uh, not just, uh, you know, ignorant, uh, but uh, understanding what's going on, being streetwise? What are your thoughts here? Well, look, it's the same thing I encounter. We, we, one of the things we do is teach a lot of Christian entrepreneurs um, you know, how to, how to grow quick, you know, kingdom businesses. And it's the same problem in the sense that sometimes we'll have customers that don't pay. And a lot of Christian um, Christians can become a bit weak-kneed here where they think they provide a service, the person's struggling to pay. Um, if you've provided a service, you're entitled to be paid. Um, now, if someone's in your genuine hardship, they should have disclosed that to you beforehand. Uh, but likewise, you've got to... Um, you know, you'd be compassionate where it's appropriate, but you can't allow yourself to get taken for a ride. So as, you know, Christians, when it comes to collecting collecting debts that you are legitimately owed, you actually have to be quite strong here and not weak-kneed about it, um, but then equally being willing to appreciate someone's circumstances and, you know, giving them a path to, um, a pathway out. Um, so I think it's that same thing. There's a tension here be between being, uh, you know, being strong and taking responsibility, but then also being soft enough and compassionate enough um, to look after people as well. And to, um, just yeah, you've just got to be, you've got to be very wary. And as you say, um, quite rightly, you've got to be street smart about it. Um, but also I think I always say to people, you've got to bring God in these decisions. If someone is asking you to invest in something, you've got to really pray to God, seek God and, and see if it really feels right in your spirit. You know, the, you know, God gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us and as our counsellor, and we really need to see if something sits well with us. Um, and we often have to sit back and say, look, am I being driven by greed here? Am I being driven by wrong motives? Or do I really feel this is something that God would have me, you know, give to or to invest in and so forth? Um, so it's critical that Christians involve God in their decision-making um, and be slow, you know, don't do things quickly, do things slowly. You know, they say, you know, act in haste, repent in leisure. So just be, I think Christians got to take, take that to heart and, um, you know, 
move slowly. <laughs> you mentioned a little earlier the government has a website which monitors the sorts of popular scams that are out there right now. Uh, what do you suggest for listeners about uh, checking on some of these things before making any decisions, uh, check to see if it's a scam? Perhaps the government has some insight. Absolutely. I mean, there's a couple of things. So there's two two main websites that people can check out. One is scamwatch.gov.au. So that's one where the scams are listed and also warns you about the kind of warning signs and so forth. So that way you can you can see if the, the people who are approaching you are following a particular pattern. Um, and the other one that also records them is, is ASIC has a website called Money Smart. And that also has some warning things there and talks about how you can report scams if you think there is one. Um, so they're two, they're two good uh, sources um, for people to check out. Um, but as I say, the, the main thing here is ask lots of, you know, ask lots of questions. If you think something, if you think something just doesn't sound right, ask lots of questions. You know, do you have a license? Um, you know, what information can you provide me? Just really do your homework before you go diving into things. And I always say to people, when you're dealing uh, with money, make sure you're dealing with uh, things where you've been referred to someone. You know, often, you know, your accountant refers you to a, uh, an investment advisor or a, a close friend does, someone who's actually had experience with that person. Uh, it's unlikely to work out well if it's if it's cold. It's not someone who, um, you know, who you actually know and comes from a reputable source. So, yeah, there's, there's lots of things to be careful of. And Alex, supposing we've made a bad decision and we've got caught up in a scam, there's a certain sense in which some people get so embarrassed that they have been scammed when they realise what's going on, uh, they will try and hide that and not seek help. Uh, That certainly works in the advantage of the scammer, doesn't it? What do you do if you've been caught up in a scam? What's your advice? Uh, well, the first thing you should do usually is contact your bank or your financial institution. If you have, um, you know, done something on a credit card or you've handed over money, the bank should be in for, or you've handed over passwords or just anything like that. You should talk to the bank immediately, and they can, you know, freeze accounts, reissue passwords, uh, open new accounts, reissue a new credit card if that's appropriate. Um, so they can help you. So the quicker you act, the better. Because what you're trying to do here is minimise any issue. Um, you can also see, <coughs> particularly if it's like more identity fraud, you know, someone's taken out a credit card in your name, you might want to talk to one of the credit agencies like an Equifax. Equifax has their own sort of credit history. Um, and you can talk to them about getting things removed if, if it's been, you know, if you've been scammed and so forth. Um, so a couple of immediate things you can do there. Also, I would report the things immediately so other people don't get caught. So you can go to the ACCC or ASIC and report these scams. Um, but the main thing is take action immediately. And if you've got yourself into debt as a result of the scam, <coughs> then I would really encourage people to talk to financial counsellors who can often negotiate with creditors on your behalf. So organisations like Christians Against Poverty, um, and there's others out there as well, who will negotiate with uh, creditors on your behalf if you've got yourself into trouble and, and now you've got a big debt as a result of the scam. Uh, so quick, there are things you can do. Don't panic. Okay. Quick uh, addition to that. Uh, questions come through on Facebook today. Carolyn says, should we give money to people who ask us for money when we're out shopping? Like, uh, for example, someone asking us for money for a bus fare, uh, or food, baby food, when it's obvious they have addiction issues. How do we show Jesus' love to them? 
That's a great question and, a, and a, quite a common one. Um, generally speaking, when that's happened to me, and, and my wife's had the same thing as well, our approach is to go and buy them what it is they want. So, for example, if it's a bus, you walk them to the bus stop and buy them the bus ticket. If they're hungry, they say, you know, I need money for food, then we'll go and buy them a meal. I mean, my wife literally when um, it was a very genuine one. The guy actually came up and said, hey, I'm hungry. And my wife took the guy to Macca's and had a meal with him quite literally. Um, so there's a, so what you're really trying to do here is suss out whether it's genuine or not. And the way you do that is by you know saying hey look i'll go and buy that for you i'll go and buy you the bus ticket i'll go and buy you the meal rather than just handing the cash my view is you never hand them the cash um because more than likely you will be just reinforcing a problem if it's an addiction okay let me just squeeze in one more question and uh, need a fairly quick response on this one judy asks what percentage of your wage should go into mortgage. So changing direction here, uh, what percentage of your wage should go into mortgage? Yes, yeah, so the typical answer to this we say to people is no more than 30% of your net income should go to your, your mortgage in terms of when you go out to go to the bank, you take out a home loan, try and keep it to no more than 30%. Um, I would almost argue for lower than that at the moment because interest rates are so low and people are borrowing huge amounts of money at very low rates. You have to ask yourself, if interest rates rose from here, what impact would that have on my budget, on my cash flow? Um, so, yeah, no more than 30% is the general principle. Um, as I say, at the moment, given low rates, you, you, you have to ask yourself, am I vulnerable here? Am I exposed if rates were to rise significantly from where they are today? Um, so that's that's a good principle. In saying that, to answer to one add element to add to Judy's question, though, is if you already have a mortgage, then I would encourage you to make extra repayments against your mortgage um, to pay it down as quick as you possibly can. So in other words, rather than having a 30-year loan, maybe you can get it down to a 20-year loan through making additional repayments. Um, and there's th other things you can do there as well. Fabulous stuff. Alex Cook is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. You can find Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com. You can also access those free ebooks, the My Toolkit, free videos and podcast content. You can follow him too on Facebook and on Twitter. And also, uh, you can also email a question. Ask Alex. That's our regular Wednesday segment together. Ask Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com. If you have a finance question, could be a complex one. You want to get it in writing. Ask Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com. Alex, thanks so much for a great segment today on 2020. My pleasure. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 